Only in the last, like, four or five years have I really, like, thought about my Japanese culture as, like, a part of me. Mm. Um, I always, like, you know, I'm, I'm mixed. I look mixed. I look, like, Asian mixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I've always kind of... I, I didn't know like how much of the Japanese culture I could adopt because that wasn't how I was raised. What's up, human beings? Uh, welcome to episode 11 of La Mescla. So excited to have you here. Thank you to everybody uh, who's listened uh, to any of the past episodes. Uh, I'm so excited to have you here. And if you're a new listener, how are you? What's up? I'm so excited you're here. <laughs> My guest today is the wonderful Connor Johnston. Uh, Connor is an actor and improviser of Japanese descent. Uh, you can see him performing all over the city and on a bunch of TV shows. Uh, Connor and I had an awesome conversation, uh, ranging from his time growing up in Portland at a very small school in a very white community, uh, to moving to New York, uh, and that sort of completely changing his mindset. Uh, and we talked about his family's history and the ways that his Japanese identity has uh, influenced his work. It's a really great conversation, and I'm excited for you to hear it. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> Can you tell that we're recording? Are we recording? Yes. Hi world. <laughs> That's the first thing I ever said on a podcast. Um Well let's start from uh this is what I Oh we're doing it now? Yeah, we're doing it now. Oh god. Of course we're doing it now. No, tell me how you are outside of podcasting. You so want me to spend time on the different. podcast telling you how I well, am you'll outside edit of podcasting. It out. I may or may not. I typically, this is a peek behind the curtain for anybody that listens to this. I typically do very little editing. Cool. <laughs> uh, but I'm okay outside of podcasting. I really like podcasting. I feel like other, outside of it, I'm feeling a little weird. A little directionless. Okay. But that's... Should I flip the script and my honest answer. ask you about yourself? You can do whatever you want with your time. Say nothing of me. You can do whatever you want with your time. Okay. Let's start with okay. you. <laughs> Hi, Connor. Thank you so much for coming in today. Um, so let's, as you know, this is La Mescla. We talk about, like, culture and our background and all that shit. Uh, so let's start at the beginning. Uh, where are you from originally, uh, and what's your uh, background, ethnic background? Uh, so I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. Hey. Um, hey, Portland. Um, I... Lived there for 18 years, moved to New York because I went to NYU. Hey, which studio? Uh, <laughs> you assumed I went for acting. Great. I did, I did. I did go to act for acting. <laughs> um, I was in the Meisner studio. Very cool. For two years. And then I jumped around. I did an international like program in Amsterdam. I did the classical studio. I did the film and TV studio. And I ended an experimental. Wow, so you went all around. Yeah. I have a lot to talk about NYU, and we'll get there. <laughs> this should we'll not be there. like the drag NYU pun I'm, podcast. I'm all for drag. I did not go to NYU, but I love it when people drag NYU. Yeah, let's. So let's start. We'll get to NYU, but let's start uh, with growing up in Portland. Cool. Uh, so what's that like? Also, what are where are your parents from? Oh yes. So I am half Japanese, half just like 
super white. Mm. My dad, my name is Connor Johnston, so, like, on paper, my you can tell that my dad is, like, the super white one, yeah. and I look super white. I don't look he does, but, like, you know, it's, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. look a good mix of the two of them. Right. Um, but, yeah, my mom's Japanese. I'm fourth-generation American, so there's kind of, like, yeah, so my great-grandma moved from Japan Got to it. Hawaii, my, then from Hawaii to California, then um, my grandma was born in California, then she was interned in the Japanese internment camps, Oof. which is wild, um, and then moved to, back to Hawaii, um, and my mom was born and raised in Hawaii, and then moved to Oregon, met my dad. Wow. So I'm fourth generation American, but I am still Japanese. And how did your mom and dad meet? College. College? Yeah. Which college? They went to University of Oregon. Oh, very cute. Yeah. They, it was there, they were 20, and they've told They were 20 when they got married? They were 20 when they met. Okay. And they had two classes back to back their junior year, fall semester their junior year. That'll so do it. So my dad, like, found that out and, like, decided to walk with my mom from class to class. Ah. Which is, like, a cute story until, until Christmas my junior year when I came home for winter break and my parents were like, have you met anyone? And I was like, I know your story, please. <laughs> oh, like, what, they expect you to have, like, a mirror image? They just kind of threw it out as a joke, but, That's like, funny. I was in the middle of acting school and, like, already hating myself, mm-hmm. so I was like, mm-hmm. please, don't <laughs> What do your parents do? Um, my mom got a degree in computer science, did it for a few years, but now it's just been, like, a homemaker my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad works in lum- the lumber industry, so wow. he's like a lumber trader. Wow. And your yeah. dad is the white one? Yes. So you have a you have a lumber a white lumberjack father. He's not, no, he doesn't literally cut the wood, he just buys sure, it from people. Sure, sure. I choose to see him as a lumberjack. Yeah, yeah. You can if podcasters, listeners, if you're listening, you can imagine my father as like a big burly flannel wearing lumberjack yes. and my mom as like a petite delicate Asian princess. I love that. I and I have elements of both. <laughs> so when you're growing up in Portland, uh, what's the household like? Is your mom like keeping the Japanese culture around or is no. it sort of a homogenized thing? I mean, so yeah, we can talk about the whole Japanese thing. Um, yeah, it's kind of what the show is for. Really? Got a um, little bit. It's about you, but yeah. So I wasn't raised with any sort of traditional Japanese, like, traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, Primarily because my mom wasn't raised like that. My mom was born and raised in Hawaii, so she has a lot of, like, Hawaiian culture and things about, like, living uh, on the islands that she loves. But because my grandma was interned, my grandma was interned when she was... 16 and got out when she was 19. Jesus. So she's like probably, she is like one of the oldest living survivors. She's like 91 now. Wow. Um, and because of that, after, immediately after that, I mean, she graduated high school in the camp, um, Tule Lake, in case anyone knows. Um, and then she went to nursing school and then immediately like moved to Hawaii and started a family. And she raised her five kids to be completely American. Wow. Um, she spoke Japanese to her husband, my grandfather, but did not teach any of the children Japanese. Was that sort of a conscious thing? Fully, To, yeah. like, we're assimilate after all this garbage bullshit, yeah. we're just going to assimilate. After literally being in a prison for yeah. three years Jesus. because of, like, you know, how I look. Wow. Yeah, she just decided. Was how, do you, like, how do you feel about it? Do you feel like you wish you grew up with a little bit of that stuff, or it's sort of like... Uh, n- no. 
I, I know my mom feels that she does mm. because she saw it. Yeah, she's... in my gram in my grandma, she saw my grandma speaking Japanese around the table and little things here and there, but my mom doesn't have any of that, so I I don't feel like she didn't pass anything down to me. Got it. You know, Got um, it. and only in the last like four or five years have I really like thought about my Japanese culture as like a part of me. Mm. Um, I always like, you know, I'm, I'm mixed. I look mixed. I look like Asian mixed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I've always kind of, I, I didn't know like how much of the Japanese culture I could adopt because that wasn't how I was raised. Mm. So, so it almost felt like you would be like claiming something that wasn't really you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cause I was like, the, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't, I could lift, lift a, a few Japanese stereotypes, which I don't want to do, but like, you know, <laughs> I, 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 those things like weren't mine. Right. Like, so, but recently, I mean, a, a few years ago, we like did a pilgrimage to the Japanese internment camp that my grandma was at. Um, and we learned about what it was like living in the camp. Um, and then in June, actually, my like my grandma and my aunts and uncle and a few cousins, there's 12 of us, and we all went to Japan. Mm. Because, I mean, we like we don't have any family there. But this we, was like, recent, right? I remember seeing June, the yeah. pictures, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, podcasters, it's September now, so you can do the math. Um, <laughs> you don't know that this is getting released in September. I know, but we're recording it in September. That's true, Just, that's true. Because I, I know how podcasts work here. Because I, <laughs> I listen to a lot. Um, but yeah, so it's like, a few months ago we all went to Japan, and um, I learned a lot about the Japanese culture and about Okinawan culture, because I'm a quarter Okinawan. Okinawa is like an island off the south of Japan. It's kind of like the Hawaii of Japan, hmm. where it's like technically everyone there is still Japanese, but they look significantly different. So Got like, it. if, you know, if I'm talking... Hapa, if I'm talking, like, Japanese with other people who are, like, mixed race or, like, partially Japanese, I'll be right. like, oh, I'm Okinawan, and they understand. Do you speak, how much but Japanese do you speak? Zero. Zero. I know okay. how to say, where's the bathroom? Got it. Can you say that? Otero wa doko deska. Amazing. <laughs> it got me through two weeks of Japan flawlessly. I mean, so. this is super similar to how I feel about my Spanish. Like, my Spanish isn't very good, but it, I was raised with it and then sort of lost it. Uh, but I, I can... I can get by when I'm down there, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't feel, like, comfortable at yeah. all. And that's yeah. my thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I... It's interesting, because I have always... When we went to Japan, I mean, I'm six feet tall, so I was, like... I stood out yeah. as being, like, You have that lumberjack different. blood? Lumberjack blood. I know. My dad's this big, burly... <laughs> no, he's literally not. He's, like... He's the most whitest dude ever. He's, like, struggling with rosacea, and Aww. he just turned 60. Like, Aww. that's my dad. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, going back to, so we're still in Portland, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe getting a little older. Did you go to high school in Portland? Yeah. So So I went to the same school for 14 years. What? (laughs) Yeah, it was a private school. Um, I graduated. It's four, what? Wait, explain that. Pre, pre pre-K, kindergarten, first through 12th. All in the same school? Yeah. It's like all on a hill. So you, I literally went like from the bottom of the hill at pre-K all the way up the hill to high school. Wow. What's the name of the school? Oregon Episcopal School. Oregon Episcopal (laughs) School. Okay. What was the mascot? Uh, The aardvark. (laughs) Why did you, why did you know to ask that? I don't know, but that's so funny. Yeah. We're the aardvarks. So what was the makeup of the school like? Was it a very white school? Oh, good question. (laughs) 
It's kind of what I'm here for. Yes. Is cool. The answer. <laughs> yeah, it was. Did, were, would people, like, call out that you looked mixed? Would they ask you a lot, like, what are you, that I kind think, of thing? Well, yeah. Ugh, that what are you question oh, yes. sucks. Or, time. like, the where are you from question that I get a lot in New mm-hmm. York that I think a lot of, like, ethnic people in New York. I, I've said yeah. it on this podcast before, but that is the question I always wished I got, even though I knew it was a shitty question. Because oh, I, I don't look like my, uh, like yeah. my uh, Peruvian half. People, like, assume. So I pass. A million yeah. percent. Yeah. 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 See, I, like don't in the weirdest way people look at me and they're like oh you're not from here or like even though you weren't like raised with all the traditional Japanese shit people are still giving you that right or they're like where's your mom from and I'm like uh Hawaii but she's not Hawaiian so I'm like I'm ethnically Japanese but my mom's Hawaiian like I go to Hawaii every like twice a year like Mm -hmm. well every year for Thanksgiving because my family's there but I'm not because there are people who are like like born and raised Hawaiian. Yes. yes, I know a couple. Um, and that's not me, so I don't feel like I can adopt that, but yeah. Um, There's this weird feeling, right? It's this feeling of like being between places and you can never fully say you're f- from this specific right, place. Right, right. I'm like, and then also, I mean, like, I my, I asked my dad or I asked my grandma, like, where where are you from? Because I'm people I'm also when are like white. I'm like, oh, I'm just like a white everything. Yeah. Um, and I asked my grandma once, and she said, we're from Oregon. And I was like, no, what does that mean? She's like, we're Oregonian. I was like, we're not getting anywhere. <laughs> um, if, you had to, if you had to give, a, like, a three-point description of what being an Oregonian means, what would it be? Um, we're crunchy. We live in the rain. Okay. Um, there's a lot of gray everywhere. Um, oh, yeah, that's three. That's three. That's three. Yeah. I, I feel like that paints a good picture. I know absolutely nothing about Oregon. Oh, so. it's awesome. Everyone should go. I should? I mean, I've heard Portland's awesome. It's incredible. See, okay, so uh, Portland, Portland and race and ethnicity. Yes. And yeah, let's get into it. Um, so there are a lot of Asian people in Portland, especially, like, the school I went to. There were a lot of, like, Asian kids, full Asian kids, a few half Asian kids, but those kids were, their parents most of them, their parents immigrated. Mm. So, like, I, I, you know, I didn't feel super Asian. I just never felt super Asian yeah. growing up until, like, maybe three or four years ago when went to Japan, went to Tula right. Lake, um, which is the internment camp. Um, was it a thing where, like, you tried to hang out with the other Asian kids and they weren't super cool about it? Or was it more of, like, a I don't feel comfortable even trying kind of thing? Nah... Or somewhere in the middle. I mean, my school was small. Mm. There were 75 kids in my graduating class. Wow. 300 in the high school overall. Yeah. Um, And it was more just like, oh, of the 75 kids, a lot of you are nerds. And so I'm only going to hang with like the 15, 20 cool people in my grade. Mm -hmm. And, oh, it looks like everyone's white. It just like wasn't, I never thought about. So you were a cool kid is what you're saying. Oh, I was so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. I, I, I I love that because I feel like whenever I've covered, especially with like artists in New York, it's a lot of like, oh oh, yeah, I wasn't cool in high school. So whenever I hear someone be like, yeah, no, I was fun. No, here's the big thing. And I can't wait from someone. I can't wait in years to come. When someone from OES is like, you really felt this way? Yeah. Is like, I was friends with everyone. Everyone was like friendly with me, mm-hmm. but I wasn't ever like anyone's best friend. Got it, got and it. And I would like cry myself to sleep <laughs> a lot of nights oh, no. because of like, oh, hey, I'm the only gay person I've ever 
met Oof. or known yeah. ever. So I was like, yeah, that's that's my oh. story. Oh, no. But it's fine. I mean, I moved to New York. I've been here for seven years, and it's been a trip. Yeah, so, so talk to me about moving to New York. So you graduate high school, you immediately go to New York? Yes, I went to NYU for, yeah, I said mm-hmm. that again. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, Which, I... What's the NYU mascot again? It's like the Violets or something? I went... Or Bobcat? Who cares? Here's the thing. <laughs> Who cares? Here's the thing. <laughs> you you move to NYU, and it's like... Tish is small, acting is small, but I remember, like, my parents dropped me off, and I just went on, like, a four, five-hour walk yeah. around, like, all of Greenwich Village, West Village, East Village area, and I was like, oh, I'm now in a city of, like, 10 million. Yeah, and was that, like, a crazy culture anything. shock? It was incredible. It was everything I ever wanted. Ah. I, like, yeah. I cried when I got into NYU. Is this a podcast about me all the times I've ever cried? Um, hey, maybe we're discovering a pattern. Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, NYU is incredible. But, bring you back to the race thing. Um, yeah, let's do it. Like, the first time I ever realized, like, oh, I'm Asian, and that is, like, a lot of people see that as, like, less than white. Like, mm. you know? I was like, because Can you I, recall any, like, specific times in school or that? Or it was just not, sort of a vibe? Not in school, but, like, in New York. Mm. I remember, like, going out freshman, sophomore year and being called, like, Asian stereotypes. And Yikes. I was like... What are you talking about? Because mm. I had a, I don't really, I, I had never really seen myself as Asian. Right. And B, I was like, I literally never imagined that people like use racial slurs. Mm. Oh yeah, in New York they don't play around. No, they don't fucking play around. Right. How yeah. about with the? Because I'm assuming going also with a layer of gay identity, like moving from a place like Portland, which I guess Portland's pretty LGBT friendly, right? Yeah, when you're older. I mean, like, high school is high school, so, yeah. Yeah, so I'm assuming moving to New York, like, that's a huge change. What was that like? I mean, the first time anyone ever, the first time I ever responded, like, when someone was like, are you gay? And I just confidently was like, yes, was my first day in New York. Oh, my God, that's so sweet. It was under the Washington Square Arch, in case anyone wants to Are you kidding? What's your storybook life? I know, right? I mean, my first gay kiss was in Central Park during Welcome Week. (laughs) (laughs) Please delete that from the podcast. As I said before, I do minimal editing. Oh, fuck. That's so great. (laughs) Have you you found any... uh, I mean, I know we've sort of covered a couple times that you don't really feel Asian, but that people still throw that at you. Mm -hmm. In the New York uh, uh, gay community, have you ever found that intersection uh, like any any weird shit happening there. I oh. have a lot of white gay friends who are really racist. Oh, uh, all the time. Yeah. I think the gay community in New York is extremely racist. I, it is, and I, like, this is not controversial. It's like, no, no, everyone no, no. thinks it. It's so racist. You'll go out to the gay bars. I mean, first of all, there are some gay bars where just, like, I look around and everyone is, like, split up into friend groups of, like, all the same ethnicity. Segregated. Fully segregated. Mm. And I'll look around and, like, the only integrated group is, like, me and my group of friends. Mm. You know, I usually go out with, like, one of my best friends from college uh, and his boyfriend and they're, like, white and black. Mm Mm-hmm. 
maybe another friend that they all like there's kind of a group of us there's like a Latino guy in there and there's another black guy and like a few a full college brochure I know like you make a great picture um but it's like I'll look around and there are yeah Yeah. fully and it's strange because the whole like uh, I don't know if anyone's seen like a James Franco movie you understand like that there's smoke and haze in the club and like a lot of like intense eye contact um, Why was James Franco the oh, because, hook for this? Oh, because he makes a lot of gay stuff. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I will. I f- I had to get over while I was in college and like learning about who I was and like relearning my confidence and identity as like a gay person. I really had to not see, not judge, like value my self worth in how I was looked at or not looked at so Mm. many times Mm. if you are a person of color and you go into a gay club people just don't look at you or they look like through you really it's wild yes wow and a lot of the times those people are white is like you'll just i it's it's honestly wild yeah do you ever find the opposite where they just straight up fetishize you all the time yeah yeah that's even grosser yeah as like an asian person I get that even with uh, straight people, and I don't even look Spanish, but yeah. like when I mention that I am, it's like, oh, wow, say something in yeah. Spanish. God, I fucking it's so, hate that. It's so gross. Yeah. It's so gross. And it's the whole, yeah, there's a lot of, like, you know, model minority being Asian and a lot of, like, the docile feminine things that, you know, go on through my mind. I don't know if it's exactly what's going on through, like, the person's mind when they, like, you know, approach me or... right. You know, try to use that great pickup line of "What are you?" Uh, and I'm like, "What?" As a pickup line? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Ugh. Where they're like, "Oh, you look so," or or the worst is like, "Oh, I love Asian guys," Ugh. and I'm like, "What the? What are? How do you want me to respond?" Yeah. What do you want me to say? You're to like, that? "Oh, I love people who are who fetishize me." <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's wild. But okay. So, so there's that. So there's that. Lots of fun layers of identity. Uh, so we're so we're in New York now. Maybe finishing school, and you're transitioning into like being a working actor yeah. and stuff. How do you? Uh, how is you know typing and getting representation and stuff? How is your mixed identity sort of uh, meshing with all this stuff? Because it's a business I mean, where we're judged on how we look. Yeah, I mean that's the one part that I'm like hell yeah, Fuck I love, yeah. I love <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, like, I got really lucky, and I got representation pretty early out of school, um, all across, you know, freelancing commercial, manager, legit representation, kind of, like, a commercial modeling thing, and it's, like, I will go into calls, and I'm, and I'll be, like, oh, they're looking for an Asian person, that's fine, at least I'm in the door. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we can, like, speak to the larger trends of, like, the fact that I've had a few co-star roles on, like, network TV, or I've had a few, like, supporting roles in feature films, and those are great, but I noticed that the guest stars, the recurring, the leads are all white. Mm. So it's like, oh, am I playing, like, a colorful background? Right. Am I meeting a quota or something like that? Right. And it's like... At one, on one hand, it's like, great. If that's what got me 
on yeah, TV. I need, like, I great. need to get yeah, in here. Yeah. I will be your Asian person in the mixed group of friends. Mm. Like, that's fine. Yeah. There's another part that's like, all right, when can I be the lead? Yeah, it's yeah. a weird cognitive dissonance that way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know what cognitive dissonance means. I feel like I might have misused it, and that's somebody fine. smart who's listening to this is going to be like, that was wrong. So yeah. I think we should just blow past it. Great. Cool. Let's act like we're smart, though. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. So that, that is kind of funny in a way that the like the the weird like mirror image of racism thing in casting of like we need you to be diverse. Oh yeah. Kind of works in your favor in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, I was you know I I, sh- I shot something for elementary where I played. Um, where it was extremely race and age specific. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was maybe one of two or three people they called in. Wow. Because they just needed someone who looked very, you know, I, I, I just shot something for Madam Secretary where, I, where my, I needed to look half Thai. Wow. And it was me, Let's a mom, and Johnston a sister. in here for that. I know, right? The half white. Um, there was me, a mom, and a sister, and we were all actually half Japanese. Yeah. We took, we took a ton of pictures together because we're like, we look identical we yeah. all look like the same yeah. which yeah I mean like, uh, that that is so there is something so low-key frustrating about that though because it was like yes I am visually perfect I was like built in a lab for this role mm-hmm. when can I be considered for roles where you're not looking for someone necessarily built in a lab for it exactly yeah Oof. Um, and I'm finding that a lot in like the small off off Broadway like Brooklyn type read like play plays. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who are playwrights. Um, I was a member of the Bats for a few years. Oh, I didn't know that. that. Yeah, I was That's a Bat awesome. for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and through that, I met a lot of playwrights and directors who I've been lucky enough to be like called in for small readings here and there. And those, it's like, oh, I feel like I'm the best actor for the job, right. and it's not. And you know, it's not because I'm a person of color, or, right. or not because you're looking for someone who's Asian, but it's because I'm the best actor for the job, which is, right. that feels great. Yeah. yeah but yeah, when yeah. it comes to, like, network TV and, like, big TV or big films, it's like, I I yeah. see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, there's a certain, all that bigger, and especially the network stuff feels so, like, gargantuan that it's like, I'm just happy to be here, but this is kind of fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I mean, but on the other hand, I've been called in for a lot of roles that I can tell they're looking for everyone, mm. which is like a step in the right direction. For sure. Like, you know, pilot season is really interesting to me every year because um, I do get called in for a lot of like the, you know, 17 to 20 year old, you know, senior in high school, freshman in college type totally. roles. Totally. And they're looking for any, they're looking for the best person. Yeah. Which is great. That is nice. Yeah. I feel like that didn't exist like five years ago. No, not at yeah. all. Yeah. I've had I've done three or four <clears throat> pilot seasons with representation, mm-hmm. and like I'm hair flip. I'm hair even flip. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and I'm I've joking. Been on, I've I'm been joking. on so many pilots. I am fucking so. joking. <laughs> like I book anything. I Jesus. I, oh my god. Uh, uh, so let's like somewhat shift gears, but we're still staying in the acting world. So cool. you, so we're both improvisers. Yes. Uh, talk to me a little bit about getting into improv and uh, and that world and about your team and your experience yeah. and stuff. Uh, my team is called Microdose. I'm hey. going to plug that at the top. Microdose <laughs> or Microdose Improv on Instagram. Great. Which I run. There cool. will be plugs at the end of the show, too. Oh, great. Well, you know, a mid-plug a mid plug I'm not mad about. Sure. Um, 
cool. I started improv because I graduated from Tisch with, like, all this technique and, like, you know, emotionally, like, destroy yourself for the role. And I did a year of Shakespeare, which is, like, you're a slave to the text and you right, have to do yeah, the yeah. actions and you're always on and think about your body and think about your <laughs> voice and all this, like, you know, heavy, heavy shit. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I was like, the six months out of school, I was like, I want to, you know, get back into a classroom. And the thing that scares me the most is trying to make people laugh. Mm. Like I that's, feel that. you know, standing on stage, being myself and trying to make people laugh. So I signed up for improv at hey. UCB. Hey. Um, I took, I took the whole 101 through 401 in a year. Uh-huh. Um, and then I hopped, I was, I hopped into like a practice group that, uh, turned into a team um, and there's been kind of a core of us about a year of that first iteration of the team mm-hmm. a couple of people like decided to leave and we brought on a couple more people and that's when we became Microdose ah, the life cycle of a New York improv team I know right <laughs> but Microdose is strong we've been a team now for oh like I would say a year and a half solidly a year and a half Killing it. coming on to two I Killing think it. are you yeah. guys traveling together not outside of New York. You got to get on that. I got some recommendations for you. Oh, but that feels like we have to spend our own money, which... Uh, it depends. Okay. It, it depends. Let me know. That's uh, that's for something outside of this podcast. Cool. Uh, yeah. But so the impro- the New York improv world is sort of is a scene that is changing a lot in terms right. of diversity efforts. Right. How do you feel you fit into that? Or what's your experience been with that? I... Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, hey, New York. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's my ride. We're just going to wrap this oh, up. Oh, like, yep, we got to go. Bye, yeah, everybody. Bye. Um, no. Yeah, now that we're talking about improv, I feel the pressure to be really funny. Um, Who gives a shit? I know. <laughs> Who gives um, a shit? I've been improvising for six years now, and I n- almost never feel like a funny person. So. Oh, for the do? longest time, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a really great straight man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a really great straight man to like there's which a, there's now the, the, a movement to change to, uh, to voice of reason and fuck that <laughs> it's like the one time flying in, my, in the face of recent it's improv my, it's geopolitics it's my whole life that I get to be like I'm a straight man <laughs> <laughs> so let me have this improv um, sure sure How, when I do coach later tonight I will be using voice of reason <laughs> great that's fine fuck you yeah whatever um, my I I where were we? Diversity and improv? Yes. So Microdose is an incredible team, and I love Microdose, and our one rule is we, like, everyone is um, either a person of color or LGBTQ or a woman or, like, not male. Yeah. Um, which is incredible. We've been, like, you know, accoladed for that, and we try to, we have a monthly show at the pit called Hey Slacker, that we try to bring on teams and people that are, you know, the same. Um, we try to put diversity on stage. My feeling about UCB is mixed, mm-hmm. um, just because the, you know, the diversity scholarship thing is kind of politicky, and mm-hmm. who gets on the teams is kind of politicky, and who sure. gets into class is extremely politicky. Of like who, who you know and how you know, you know. Yeah, all that stuff. I kind of. Mm-hmm. Before 
it, before the academy, which is this like upper upper level of advanced right. study. Yes, yes, yes. For those of you who very aren't aware, hi- very hierarchy focused thing. Yes. So there's the core curriculum 101 to 401, then advanced study, and then they just made this academy, which is above advanced study that you all they have an audition for. And before the academy, there was a lottery system to get into all the classes, and I had gotten rejected from 14 lotteries. Mm. Which made me believe that the lottery system wasn't fully a lottery. Because mm. it's apparently every time that you got rejected from a class, your name was put in again. So theoretically, my 14th you would have time... A, you would have a better chance of getting in right. the more times you got rejected. Yeah. Theoretically, yes. my 14th time, I had my name in the hat 13 times. Right. And I knew people who would theoretically only have their name in the hat once, and they got in. Right. So that didn't make sense to me. Yeah. I also got rejected from the diversity scholarship four times. Wow. Which I, you know, I being gay and being Asian and mixed Asian, I I wrote about all of that. Yeah. And it just, I, there was a lot, I, you know, I'm about to take a class at UCB, my first class in (laughs) two years. I'm going to send this straight to the 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 educational board. (laughs) Please, please straight to the, what is it? Bursar or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to take my first class there that I haven't taken a class in two and a half years. Mm. Because for the longest time, felt like it wasn't worth my money. I was getting a lot from Microdose. We were performing so much. Right. We continue to perform a lot, maybe yeah. like once a week. Yeah. Um, sometimes like two or three or four. It's incredible. Yeah, you guys I really are love the team. We practice once a week. Well, now that you've sort of like carved out your own space with a team of people you trust, you can trust your instincts more. So that the oh so that God. the class is less of a I need to sit at the feet of the master and learn from the master yeah. than like I have my skill set I'm gonna come in and see what I can take from yeah. this. Yeah, I also just remember in class like in the core curriculum I felt such a pressure to perform in class hmm. because if I wasn't acting at the time I was like this is my one shot I get three hours right now. Right. There's so much pressure. I was sitting in class like not wanting to go up because I was so shaky. Yeah. And now I'm so excited to start this class because I can walk in and be like, I don't give a fuck what any of the other people in this class think because I know I have a team that I love, that loves me, where I can try anything and they have my back. That's beautiful. And this class, I'm only going to learn from it. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's the right attitude. And then you get up for your first scene and the other person person initiates with, so what are you? I will... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know this is a podcast and I'm not I'm supposed to be talking but I literally have no <laughs> he's speechless everyone. oh my god uh, no, cool but that'd be a that'd be a better initiation than I've received from a lot of you know people in classes and audition sure. settings yes. sure so <laughs> so as far as like um, the yeah just the entertainment world that we're both living in like mm-hmm. whether it's the comedy side or the more straight like film TV acting side um, it, can you think of any things that you really think need to change? Oh, that's a big question. Sure. Um, I will say that. Oh my god! Everybody, Mr. Softy plays in my neighborhood literally all the fucking time, I know and that. it's driving me insane. I feel like I might be driven to something. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> um. I just, you know, I just telling more Asian stories. Mm-hmm. I'm always such a fan. I've seen, I mean, I've seen Crazy Rich Asians twice. <laughs> I was going to bring it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Uh-huh. And something that I think Crazy Rich Asians does is it 
you know, even all the way up at Hollywood, they thought it was a risk right. to have an all-Asian cast, Asians as, as the lead. Yeah. And I'm saying, you know, what we can learn from this is that, you know, it's it was the... It's number one at the box office. It's the uh, first, like, rom-com to hit number one since yeah. June 2015, Jesus. 2016. Yeah. It's been a... Yeah, so... I'm saying, oh God, Mr. Safdie. I know. I'm I hate saying, it. <laughs> I'm saying, like, I'm not saying we don't need to cast full movies with all Asian people, but like, Hollywood doesn't need to see it as a risk right. anymore. Well, that was the long-standing myth people. with what quote-unquote black movies for a long time, and yeah. Black Panther sort of shattered that, and a couple of movies sort of shattered that, yeah. and hopefully. Uh, these movies being financially uh, viable is what finally like snaps the heads of these dumb old white men to like make shit happen. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it's hard. I mean, because I just I'm not. I don't write. Mm-hmm. I'm. I don't direct. I'm not really in the creative stage of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that something you eventually want to get to, or you're not uh, sure? Oh god. Whenever I have like a, a dry spell, I'm always like, "Pull, do it yourself." And yeah, so hey, you're talking to someone currently in the middle of one of those. I know. I'm always like, "Do it yourself." Or the worst is when I like the day after I work a job, uh-huh. and I'm like, "Keep it going." Yeah, and I know. Like, oh god. Oh my god. No. Any professional thing ever that I've shot, the next day I've just been like. Okay, what? Uh, yeah. Oh, what do I, like what sitting, do I do now? Yeah, I've been like sitting by my phone. Like, yeah. Doesn't Broadway know I just shot a commercial? Um, I just spent two hours on a real set. Why is my phone not ringing? I know. I know. Uh, oh yeah, but so I'm. The, it's hard to answer that question because I right now am not creating. So mm-hmm. like I, I, you know, I receive an appointment. I go. Uh, yeah, and it's like. I don't know how to answer that. That's cool. Just it's like, a very broad yeah. question. <clears throat> I mean, I have lost roles that I've gotten very close to, mm-hmm. to white people. Mm-hmm. And that hurts more, yeah. is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, hope that that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> so your answer is, your answer to what I hope changes about the entertainment industry is I, I hope, hope I, I book. book more. <laughs> very <laughs> honest answer. No, but not very just me. Answer. I mean, that story, I know what you're that story has gone on for every person of color actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just hope I book more. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I oh love the God. honesty. I love the honesty. Can we restart this recording? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. There's been too much gold in here. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're like, we're winding down. Uh, is there anything we haven't touched on that you really want to talk about? Oh. Anything that like on the train here you were like, oh shit, I really need to talk about that. I was thinking about that. Um, No. <laughs> I mean, I know you, a lot of this podcast is about race and, race and ethnicity. Sure. But, I, you know, regarding acting and being gay, mm-hmm. that is a huge thing. Yeah, talk We to can go back that. to college. I mean, a big thing about NYU is that I was never told that I don't need to, like, I was told that my diverse look would be an asset. Mm-hmm. And I was told that if I need, if I wanted to, book series if I wanted to book and be bookable Mm -hmm. I need to be able to play straight Mm. and like that is something I've heard many gay actor friends say they were told yeah yeah and there was a part of me that was like yeah I get it okay and I have booked 
a few, like, you know, I booked more straight roles than I have gay. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, that's something I just, like, you know, there's the, there's a big argument about, like, I wish Asian stories were told by Asian actors, and the same thing goes for LGBTQ stories, is we need to get more LGBTQ writers, their work needs to get forward, Mm -hmm. directors, and... Their stories need to be told by LGBTQ people. Right, they can't That be. just... It's weird for me to say this sentence because it just sounds obvious to me. It does not sound obvious <clears throat> to a lot of people. Yeah. It does not it, sound it, obvious It's to a lot weird to say because I'm yeah. like, doesn't that make sense? Yeah. yeah. No, to a lot of people, like, uh, our stories need to be more diverse. Like, to, like, a long-standing white showrunner probably just means, like, ah, oh, we'll make more of the co-stars blacks. That's <laughs> like, exactly oh that's probably that what exactly people think. exactly how I'm feeling. Yeah. Is like, and, and I'm just uh, nervous about hovering in co-star land. It's like, I want to lead an episode. Totally, and yeah. do I have to wait until they're writing, like, the one Asian story in their 20-episode right. order? yeah. Or can I do the, the, the story that isn't race-specific, yeah. and that has nothing to do with me and everything to do with Hollywood and who's making those decisions, totally. which is difficult. I feel yeah. like everything's going in the right direction, but... Yeah, you just gotta hook yourself up with some bomb-ass young writers who are I gonna know. run shit in a couple of years. I know. That's what I'm trying to do. Right? Anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to meet people. Anyone, my name is Connor Johnston. Uh, yes, keep going. Uh, at Conjohn18 on Instagram. Um, I live in Astoria of 30th Ave, if you see me. You're, you're just um, telling people where you live now? Just generally. What if crazy people listen to this podcast? Crazy people follow me around. That's, That's the fair. thing. That's fair. It's also called fetishizing. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, is there anything you want to plug? I know we did a mid-show plug, but plug your shit. Uh, yeah, Conjohn18, Instagram is me. Don't laugh. This is serious. I'm trying to grow that. Hey, that's fine. Social I'm media so is bad a at, game. I'm so bad at the social media game. It's literally just a game. It's a game of numbers, mm-hmm. and I wake up every day being like, oh, my number went up? Why? Like... <laughs> Who knows? What about, what would you say to people who are like, well, that inflates a part of my brain that makes me feel self-important for something that it doesn't really matter? I mean, it does the same for me, but then also I'm like, lol, isn't that hilarious that that does that for me? You know? Everyone, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Um, I live alone is a big part of the reason why I find so much, like, of a joke out of social media. Sure. Is because I'll, like, look down at my phone and someone will have liked, like, ten of my posts. And I'll be like, what? Why? <laughs> so it's that hilarious? It's just, like, a fun game for you. Yeah. I gotta shift my mindset to that. Yeah, because it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That's true. Who you are online is nothing to do with who you are in person. So Conjohn18 on Instagram. <laughs> um, Microdose Improv on Instagram. Yes. Trying to run that. Um, Beautiful. You got any shows coming up? No. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes the plugs portion. <laughs> the plugs portion of the show. Uh, Connor, thank you so much for coming in yeah, today. This, this is, is a, a total fucking pleasure. <clears throat> cool. Yeah. I'm going to go get a Mr. Softy now. I really crave it. Yeah, good luck with that. Does it just travel? Is it probably like 10 or 15 it's, blocks It's away? like this neighborhood. It's like the probably five blocks around here. Mm-hmm. But it's nightmarish. Like, it, I, it might drive me to violence. I hope it doesn't. It's definitely not. Okay. <laughs> Bye! Vem comigo nessa viagem, nessa rua.
And that's it for episode 11 of La Mescla. Thank you so much to Connor Johnston for coming in. Thank you uh, to Mateo Sounds for the music. Thank you to Esther Burke for the visual art. Uh, and thank you to you, a human being, for listening to this show. Please uh, like it on Facebook, uh, rate and review it, and subscribe on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Uh, and if you feel like Venmoing at Adrian Burks uh, money for hosting fees for this podcast, I would not hate that at all. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the experiences of mixed people. Uh, it means a lot to me. And uh, I hope you all have a great week. Goodbye. <laughs>